Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. O Jesus, meek and humble of heart, from the desire being esteemed, from the desire being loved, from the desire being extolled, from the desire being honored, from the desire being praised, from the desire being preferred to others, from the desire being consulted, from the desire being approved, from the fear of being humiliated, from the fear of being despised, from the fear of suffering rebukes, from the fear of being calumniated, from the fear of being forgotten, from the fear of being ridiculed, from the fear of being wronged, from the fear of being suspected, that others may be loved more than I, that others may be esteemed more than I. Jesus, grant me the grace to that others may, in the opinion, that in the opinion of the world, others may increase and I may decrease. Jesus, grant me the grace to that others may be chosen and I set aside. Jesus, grant me the grace to that others may be praised and I unnoticed. Jesus, grant me the grace to that others may be preferred to me in everything. That others may become holier than I, provided I may become as holy as I should. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So, um, a few things I wanted to hit that that came up. I learn a lot in confessions myself. I'm not going to talk about people's sins, don't worry. <laughs> but I learn a lot about myself, and the Lord affirms a lot in me of themes that I need to address often in my own journey. And one of those is, is we don't clean up to get close to God. We get close to God so He can clean us up. Remember that. We get close to God so He can do the work He came to do, that He alone can do. It's, it's often, I think, we have this idea, guys, of you know, here's Jesus up in heaven and here we are down here on earth. And Jesus is like, hey guys, when you clean up, I'll come get you. But Jesus, God actually comes down, cleans us up and walks us toward, walks us to heaven. It's, it's, he comes to us to befriend us, to build a relationship with us, and he walks us to heaven. It's not like we have to get all our ducks in order before we can get close to God. That's one of the biggest lies in our spiritual life. And there's a lot of inauthentic spiritualities that say, you know, what makes Christianity different from Buddhism and every other religion is every other religion focuses on how I can become um, spiritual, how I can become empty of self, how I can enter unity with creation, how I, I, I... But ours is not about I. It's about Him coming to us and doing what He can to do and what He can only do. So that's the first thing I wanted to just speak out. Because make sure in your spiritual lives you're not... Because what's going to happen is if you believe that you have to clean up to get close to God, guess what? You're doing that because you're afraid. You're afraid that you don't meet His standard. And if that's how you're approaching it, you're living in the lie. Don't live in the fear that you have to do this and that and this before you can get close to God. God likes a mess. He comes into a messy world and He's not afraid of our sins. God has no problem with sin. He destroyed it on the cross. We had the problem with sin, right? We're the ones that think, we make our sins bigger than God. That's not good. When I make sin bigger than God, like, oh, God can't handle this or handle... That's where we've got to really be clear here. And if you believe you have to clean up yourself before you can get close to God, you're going to hate yourself. Because guess what? You're never going to be able to clean up. And you're going to go through cycle after cycle. And you're going to eventually not want to come to church anymore, nor pray anymore. And people that don't come to church and don't pray, you know why they don't come? Because they think the church is just another list of rules of do's and don'ts that I have to work at living and not following this and doing that and not doing this. If that's our vision of Christianity, we have a sick vision of Christianity. Christianity is God coming to us 
to do the work He began in us. There's a scripture that says, let the Lord complete the work He began in you. God will complete the good work He began in you. So, again, you can see that the pattern here. Don't be in this kingdom. That's going to lead, you're going to not forgive yourself. You're going to resent yourself. You're going to be bitter to yourself. And that's going to be depressing. But if you have a fear of the Lord, okay, I'm screwed up right now. But I put my faith in the way He loves me. He's not afraid of a mess. He's not afraid to come to us and clean us up. And one example I like to use is Jesus says, unless you become like children, you can't enter the kingdom of God. What does that mean? Simply what it means. When you were a child, did you bathe yourself? No, your mom and dad did. You know, we don't know how. To, like, when we come to confession, think of it. We're not like, how do I clean my soul off? Let's think of it like this. How many of you, you know, like, let's say you, you take a two or three year old and you say, tie your shoe. And they keep trying and can't do it. And you're like, tie your shoe. And they keep trying and can't. And you're like, tie your shoe. And eventually they start crying. <laughs> or they get angry. I can't tie my shoe. We got to all realize we can't clean ourselves up. We can't do it. We're trying to often do what we were never asked to do. And that only leads to anger towards self and others. If you believe in the truth, you're going to believe holy fear of the Lord. You'll, you'll be consumed by the way He loves you, the way He can clean you up. And that's going to lead to a holy anger toward anything that comes against that truth. The truth. And um, so that's just the first thing I wanted to mention that, that I think is a theme that needs to be in our spiritual life. Okay? Um, the second thing is um, investing. Investing ourselves in our spiritual life. Are you investing in your spiritual life? Why don't we invest? Because we don't invest in that which doesn't give good return. Right? If you're going to invest, you're going to invest because you believe there's going to be a return. If you don't invest in your prayer life and your spiritual life, maybe it's because you don't believe there's going to be a return on your investment. Um, we were just talking here about a cross, like he said, you got a cold, you know, like having a cold, getting sicker, whatever it is our cold might be, um, you know, like Art saying, well, can I offer that up? Well, absolutely. The cross is our place of investment. That's where we invest. We invest on the cross. We invest our lives in the service of the kingdom. Now, the key is, is guys, in this life, you're not going to get much return on your investment. But when you die, you're going to have the greatest return ever. Well done, good and faithful servant, for great is your reward. Enter into my Father's glory. When you die, you're going to be standing before God and you're going to be darn happy that you made a good investment. Imagine living your whole life not investing in the gospel and then you die. You have no return. And that's where God's justice comes. He gives us what we ask for. But we can be deceived to live this life just investing in the temporal world but forgetting about our eternal investment. Like what's the Bible say? Build your treasures in heaven where moths and decay can't destroy or thieves can't steal. As you live and embrace the cross, you're investing in your heavenly treasure. You're building a treasure in heaven. But if we just invest in this life, you know, well, I got a big TV, I got this, I got that, I, I, things are going well for me in this life. Like Jesus says, what good is it to gain the whole world and lose your soul? Think about that. That's a sobering scripture. I love that scripture. What good is it? You could have everything you want in this world and lose your soul. Because you never invested in that which matters. That reading we just had, was it, a few days ago at Mass? It was, um, I wish I could find it or think of it. But it was like, yeah, building the bigger barn. And like, oh, look, I got more stuff. What am I going to do? Well, let's tear down my old ones and build big ones. And I'll, I'll amass more things on earth. And Jesus was like, you fool, this night your life will be asked of you. And you've gained treasures in things 
that matter to the world, but things that don't matter to God. What matters to God is the way we love each other. That's your investing. And to the world, that's stupid. Because you don't climb the ladder by worrying about how you're loving others. You climb the ladder by stomping as many people as you can to get to where you need to go. You know, you, you don't worry about anyone being hurt. You just are like, that's my goal and I'm going for it. If you're in my way, I'll run you over. You know, and that's the kind of model often we see presented. And the Lord's trying to teach us that this is where we bring our Catholic faith into the work world. Where we're not dealing with numbers, we're dealing with people. And you might not be as successful in this world because you chose to invest more in the, in the next world. So think about that, investing. Are you investing? Are you investing your time, talent, treasures? How are you investing in the kingdom of God? Obviously the best stock on the market, right? Invest in the kingdom. They should have a kingdom stock on the bottom of my iPhone. Going. It's really down right now. So we need to really bring that up, right? The more people that invest, it's going to shoot that up. And that's what we do is we got to invest in the kingdom so people can start to experience God. So these are just, those are two things I wanted to bring up. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's not like, I don't, yeah, you're right. I don't want it to sound like it's just there. But you're right. We start to experience the kingdom now. You're right. We start to experience the riches of God, you could say. Things that you can't buy with money. These are things you can't buy with money, right? You start to experience those here now. A, a foretaste of that. And you start to grow in that now. You're right. No doubt. Otherwise, it'd be hard to sell Christianity. <laughs> It really would. But like, boy, people, people want this so bad, they don't know how to get there. And, and that's where we come in. Is The only way to this is the cross. You've got to die to the lies, to the unholy fear. You've got to die to all these other things. You know, forgiveness is a crucifixion, guys. When you forgive somebody, you're being crucified. When you're... When you're like, you know at the Mass we say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. How does Jesus take away sin? By, by, by laying His life down. He stops the cycle of the lie. The lie would be, you put me on the cross, I'm coming off and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put you on the cross. The lie would be, you spoke evil to me, well I'm going to shoot it right back at you. You push me, I'll push you. You hit me, I'll hit you. That's the lie. It's giving evil for evil. But at some point, somebody has to intervene and stop the cycle of death. And Christ stepped in and said, you think God's going to beat your back? You can beat my back and I'm not going to respond. I'm going to forgive you for doing it. You think God's going to mock you and laugh at you? You can mock me and laugh at me and I'm not going to do anything about it. I'm going to forgive you. See, he stopped. He, he took on himself... He, he took the evil in and he destroyed it. And he, he gave good back. He gave love back. But, but that's where you and I, all of us, you're right. We start to live this now. And there is an investment in, that we do get returned now. Mike, do you have something? Sure, the Lord, the Lord, yeah, the Lord has to sometimes allow us to go through our way so that we can 
be free and, and see clearly. Like, you know, like, God can bring good out of all the bad that we go through. So if you guys, you know, um, He's going to bring good out of it. Like the cross, right? You know, like we go down on this way, we get, we are afraid, we get unholy anger, all these things. I mean, this is a part of the human experience. But you can like jump from here to here pretty quick with the Holy Spirit's help. You can be in unholy anger and the Holy Spirit can move you right up there. You can boom, go up there. But the, the, the point of this though, guys, is that if you think about it, like this, this goes... This truth follows all the way through. That's why you can stay on that path. As soon as you lose the truth, like let's say you're going like this, you lose the truth, you're going down like this. You see? Like, as long as you hold on to the truth, you're going to stay with holy fear and holy anger, and you're going to always go to this. But as soon as you lose hold of the truth of who you are in God's eyes, that's when you're going to start to become afraid in an unhealthy, unholy fear, and you're going to get unholy, that unholy anger and resentment. It's just going to happen. It's just how... This isn't, this isn't like something you even do consciously. This is how you're wired. This has been my experience, at least when I reflected on my interior and what happened to me at certain things in my life. This is how it just happens. As soon as I lose hold of this, I found myself living in fear, and I found myself angry at myself and other people. Like, I'm blaming you because you're not being God to me. I mean, you're never going to be God for me. But why am I expecting you to be God? Because I lost touch with God. If I have God and I hold on to God, who is truth, all the way through, I don't need you to be someone you can't be for me. I don't put unruly burdens on you. Like, when, this, is why, this is my experience of why a lot of marriages fail. The husband expects his wife to be God and she expects him to be God and they both come to the point they can't be God. Well, you crush each other when you expect your wife to be... When you expect your wife to be God, you're going to crush her. And when she expects you to be God, she's going to crush you. And the reason we expect each other to be God is because we've lost touch with God. Like, I have to hold on to God. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm doing my best to try to get back up there to that holy fear, but God's not there. And then what? Well, I would say it's again what we're talking about here is being spiritually aware of what's happening in those moments. Like you don't like on the cross, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? When you feel abandoned, when you feel dry, when you feel everything's like, when you feel like death, when you feel like, you know. It's in those moments where as we go through those more and more, we start to realize that that's what I feel. You got to distinguish what you feel from what is. Because what I feel is I'm alone. God's not with me. So, that's a good point, because this is, this is going into kind of what the Scripture is here. Is you can be up here, and God can let you feel this. Jesus was here, but He felt this. Does that make sense? Jesus was on the cross. He's here. Jesus, Jesus, he never was, he didn't have resentment toward anyone. Or he, he forgave us. But he felt this. So, the truth is, is God is in you and he can be here and you can be here with him. But you might feel afraid. You might feel anger. You might even feel unforgiveness, resentment, bitterness. What do you do? What do you do in those moments? That's, that's, a, that's the desert. At that moment, you're working with Christ to save souls. At that moment, you're on the cross, being stretched, going back to intercession. You're interceding. You're, you're feeling broken humanity, knowing that it's not true, but I feel the lies. I'm feeling the lies, but I'm bringing them before the Lord. 
Like, Lord, I'm feeling angry right now. I'm feeling afraid. But I'm going to choose to stand. This is where the John of the Cross card talks of the dark night of faith and the dark night of the senses. The dark night of faith and the dark night of the senses is when I'm totally relying on faith, yet I feel, this is all I feel. Mother Teresa was in, if you read some of her stuff, she was in years and years of darkness. Mother Teresa, if she didn't know any better, she was living this the whole time. But because of her great faith, she knew she was here, but feeling this was a part of her participation in saving souls. So you can be in this and feel like you're here. That's where that spiritual awareness comes in. You become aware and you're sensitive. Okay, Lord. Again, and it's all up to you. You make the choice. God's never gone. He, he is with us. He's always with us. But we don't feel like He's always with us. Jesus felt abandoned on the cross. My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? That's pretty strong words for the Son of God to say. But He had to relate to us. He had to let us know He knows what we feel like at times when we're abandoned. And this is where we talk about being a mystic, the mystical life. Like some of you think of mystics, like again, John of the Cross, these great saints. You guys are called to be mystics. When you feel unholy fear, what are you going to do? Next time you feel fear, anger, and resentment, when you feel this stuff, what are you going to do? Yeah, that old saying, offer it up. How do you offer it up? It's good to pray it out loud. Like, Lord, right now I feel angry at my wife or I feel angry at my boss or whatever. Make You make your own example. I feel angry. And right now, Lord, I'm tempted to be to give in to bitterness and resentment and to say something I shouldn't. That's what I feel, Lord. See, remember we talked about brutal honesty and journaling in your prayer? This is where brutal honesty comes in to be a huge part. You're brutally honest with God. Because if you don't take it to the Lord, guess what? You and Satan are going to have a fun little conversation in your head and he's going to win. What happened in the Garden of Eden? Satan attacked Adam and Eve. And what did Adam and Eve do? They never talked. You know, if someone's saying, well, God doesn't want you to have this, and if you want to, you know, if someone's making God to be a bad guy, and you don't go to the source and get the information from the source himself, you know, like Adam and Eve, the, the way Adam and Eve should have dealt with the serpent's attack was, hey, God, there's a serpent in the garden that just said to me that you said that if we want to be like you, we should eat this fruit. What do you think of that, God? But instead of going to God and being honest with God, they went and just kept dialoguing with the serpent. And they fell. They lost. When you and I feel anger, fear, resentment, the lies, when we feel temptations, greed, sloth, laziness, when you feel these things, acknowledge what you're feeling. Bring it to the Lord. Go vertical. Go supernatural, go spiritual. Take the faith and use it to talk to God. To talk to Him. Not that He's up there, but you know, talk to Him. right? Talk to the Lord. And then say, Lord, I feel angry right now. I'm tempted to say this, but God, because of what I know, what you've enlightened me, what you've taught me through my faith life, my relationship with you, and how I know that you on the cross felt similar things at times, but you didn't act on what you felt. You chose to act in love. And so, Lord, I'm going to choose to claim you. I believe you're with me. I believe you're bigger than this problem. I believe that you can overcome this. I believe, see, it's, it's affirming your faith. It's stepping in faith. And then what happens is you start to allow God to flow through you out to that person that's just hurt you, that you're angry with. or that. And see, this is the mystical dimension that often we miss in our spiritual lives. And if you don't believe in this, you won't invest in it. If you don't believe that Jesus is living in you, He's angry. When you're angry, God's angry in you. He's angry. Christ is angry because of the lie that that person's living or serving. He's angry. So don't separate your experience from Jesus. Jesus lives in us. He's wanting to go to war. He's wanting to die. He's wanting to let the Father flow through Him out to that person or, or to yourself or whatever He feels you're interceding for. But 
And, and the best way, guys, I could say, I, I know it's somewhat ethereal or theoretical, but when you start praying that way, you'll start to find, when you're in the chapel, for example, Lord, I'm bored, I don't want to pray. Okay, Lord, I could start saying, you know, this is an example. Um, I'm, on my way to, I'm on my way to work. I see my rosary on the mirror. I'm like, man, I just want to listen to the radio. I don't want to pray my rosary. I'm tired. I just want to, I don't have time to pray the whole rosary. And what do you do? You're dialoguing with the devil. Oh, I don't want to pray. You know, it's like, well, you're right. I'm not going to pray the whole rosary. No, he's praying. No, he's starting it. It just hangs there. How about God, why not, why, then talking to yourself and to the enemy, why not go, you know, God, right now I really feel like I don't want to pray. And honestly, I don't really like to pray. I'd rather just sit here and listen to a music or radio. I don't want to do it. Honesty. And then you, then you go to the Lord in your prayer and you're like, okay, Lord, this is what I'm feeling. But today, today, I'm choosing you. I'm choosing to go against what I feel. And I'm going to pray, not the whole rosary, but Lord, help me to pray a decade really well. Two to three minutes of my drive, I could pray the decade of the rosary. One decade, because of your relationship with God, is better than letting the thing hang on the mirror as an ornament. You made a baby step, but it's better than nothing. One decade every day for a year builds treasures in heaven. No decades for a year builds no treasures in heaven. See how Satan works with the... He doesn't want you to invest at all. So what does he do? He takes the project, the whole rosary, and says... you. You can't do that whole project. Look at that. It's overwhelming. You'll never finish it. But what he's saying is he's trying to keep you from even starting. I can't do a holy hour. I, you're right. I'll never sit an hour. I can't do that. I, I can't read the scriptures. I, I don't know where to start. Well, I never read the scriptures. You see what I'm saying? His tactic is to get you not to invest at all. And how does he do that? To get you think of the big project. Like, well, I'll never change anything at work. I can't do anything. I mean, look at this place. It's so screwed up. I'll never change anything at work. But you can do little things. The Holy Spirit's in you and He can creatively show you, yeah, you can't do that. Did you all ever hear the story, Matthew? Anyone know Matthew Kelly? He tells a story about a boy on the beach throwing the, the shells back into the ocean. The, the, what is it? The starfish. starfish, right? And this guy, old guy, came up and he's like, he's like, uh, you're wasting your time, man. Look at the beach. There's so many. You're never going to pick up all the starfish. It's impossible. Just You might as well stop. Give up. Very negative. Very discouraging. Pay attention to the negativity and discouraging voices you hear in your head. That's not God. And what did the little boy say to the, to the man? He says, listen, he picked up one and threw it in the ocean. He goes, I made a difference for that one. He starts, start little. Satan hates the fact that you might pray three Hail Marys. Add that up for three times three sixty-five. You add, you know, multiply. I mean, that's that, that's you're, you're adding treasures to heaven. You're building your your heavenly. Tre- you're investing. And again, um, so you might feel all this stuff. You might feel lazy, like not praying. You might feel, but you acknowledge what you're feeling, and you choose. The opposite. You choose the truth. You choose to invest in the kingdom. And then what happens? You start to experience that grace. And you start to see things begin to happen. And you're not just praying those... And and what I'd even challenge you to do is don't pray that decade for you. Pray it for all those who believe the lie and don't even pick up the rosary. Now you're interceding Christ through you is beginning to pray through you for those souls that have basically bought the lie and don't even see the truth anymore. See, turn what you're going through into a prayer. What, what kind of cold you got? Just like a congestion and stuff? All right. Turn that into a prayer. Lord, for all those who are clogged up spiritually, I offer this cold up. 
See? You take what's going on in your body, your mind, and your soul, and you turn it into prayer. Again, identify your cross and put, a, put words to it. Not for yourself, but live for, for others, and you'll start to see. It goes back to, well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pray for someone else. But what am I going to get out of it? It goes right back to that original lie. What am I getting out of this? Well, you're investing, but you're not getting anything out of it. Yes, you are. Satan wants you to think that you're not. But your bank account's growing in heaven. <laughs> if you will, like your treasures are growing. You're, you're, you're preparing a place. And you're not just amassing treasures for yourself in heaven. You're winning graces for souls. The treasures of heaven are souls. You're winning souls for heaven by offering that cold up to the Lord. Or someone, you're behind someone that's whatever, can't drive well. Um, I always go back to that. You must have a problem, don't I? So you're behind someone that can't drive. Well, there's a lot of people that are driving reckless through the spiritual life. You know, Lord, I offer this up for those people that basically don't know how to, don't know how to drive don't know how to live for you, that are like leading their families off the road, that are um, getting in your way, whatever you feel, you know, you like turn it into a prayer. But you, you pray it for others. If you guys start praying like that, you're going to find what I'm talking about becomes a part of your experience. You're going to find yourself starting to experience Jesus in you, through you at a whole other level. Because you're accepting your baptism, which is Christ lives in you. And you were baptized for one reason, to participate in the sacrifice of Jesus and save souls, which is what the Mass is, which is why the Mass is the source and summit of our faith. When you go to Mass, you're joining your whole life in all those inconveniences to the sacrifice of Jesus for the salvation of souls. Again, if you don't believe in this, you're not going to invest in it. I would challenge you to invest and then let the fruits speak for themselves. Drive safe. Yep. So let the fruit speak for themselves, right? Let the fruit speak. Invest. That's why you came here this weekend, so you can learn to invest in things other than which this world invests in. We're made for heaven. We're citizens of heaven, not of earth. You're here on a mission. Your time on earth is just very, very small compared to eternity. And if you can win some souls for heaven, when you die, you're going to be so happy that you invested in those moments that seem like nothing, which Satan wants, Satan wants to minimize the power you have. He doesn't want you to know how much power you have to win souls. Because Jesus is in you, you have the power to win souls. You alone can do nothing, but with Christ in you, you can do it. Paul, in this scripture here, says, it's no longer I who live, it's Christ who lives in me. Colossians 1.24 says, I make up for what is lacking in the body of Christ, which is the church. Well, how's Paul making up for what's lacking in the body of Christ? There's people in the church that really are out to lunch about what life's about. A lot of people. And you guys and I carry their burdens for them and help them to come into this truth. So... be like a pacifist. We aren't that. Right. Yeah, pass- that's a heresy. But, but at the same time, I mean, then there's that push to go, okay, I need to do something. To yeah. Like yeah. You know what I'm saying? I- I'm giving you guys an ideal. You're going to be a little bit of both in both kingdoms. That's bottom line. We're not perfect. We're going to be a little bit of both. The goal is, is to live totally in God's kingdom, 
But bottom line is, is we're sinners and so we do have sometimes a little foot in this way and that way. But we can strive to be. But the difference is, is it, we want it to be His work, not our work. Like His work is the only work that is worth doing. Our work perishes. You know, if I'm working just for myself and I'm working just to protect myself, then when you die, your work has no merit or value. But if you work for Him and in Him and through Him and with Him, your work has eternal value because you've won souls for the kingdom of God. I mean, who, who wants to work their whole life and then die and realize that nothing you did really means anything? That would stink. But if you work knowing that you've done it with the Lord and you've offered it with the Lord, that He used all of that to make your work on earth valuable. He gave, a, he gave an eternal dimension to the work you do. And don't think, you guys, you're going to work and getting up every day and putting up with the craziness of our world is a cross that you can offer to God. That's His work in you. But you need to be aware of this dynamic that's happening in you and acknowledge what you're feeling, acknowledge what you're going to choose to do with it. Because if you just buy into what you feel, you're with everyone else in the lie. And if you live in the lie long enough, you forget what the truth is and then you're in darkness. And you start to exchange the truth for lies and the lies for truth. And that's where you live in serious sin. That's... That's a level of darkness. But a lot of times, there's a difference between people that fall into sin and get up, fall into sin and get up, and people that just live in sin. And that's it. And those people are the people we need to pray for. You guys all fall into sin, like me, but we keep getting back up. We pray to God and thank God for the grace to do that. We fall, we get up, we fall, we get up. So we fall in and out of the darkness because we, we see it. But there's people that they don't know what the light even is. And it's not that they're staying in darkness because they want to. They don't know any... They, they're, they're, there's a lot of people like, we might be like this, but we still see it. There's people like that. They don't even know. And without someone to tell them, they won't know. And this is why, again, the year of faith, Pope Benedict says, year of faith is about you and I going out and telling people about the good news. There's a God who can give you peace. Look, they will, people will see your peace at work. Like when they're all flustered, if you're flustered with them, well, it's probably not being good of a witness, right? You're, living the, you're letting them pull you into the lies. You should pull them out of the flustering into the peace. Like how can you be at peace? People will see it. You know when people have something, you don't. And you want it. Everybody wants peace. That's how we win souls, by having a disposition of peace. And they're like, what are you doing? Like, how do you have that? What do you do? And then there's going to be little doors God's going to open at work, and He's going to give you opportunities to speak to that person when they're listening and teachable. Oh, you know what I do? I pray. I spend time with Jesus every day. I I spend at least 15, 20 minutes a day in, in doing some prayer. And that's how God preserves me from buying into the insanity that I go into every day. You know, when you get pulled out of the matrix, when you go back in, you're there to set others free. There's a scene in the matrix, it's just the first one, the other ones I think lost it. But the first matrix has some great themes, and and if you ever see that movie, watch it, you'll kind of get these images I'm giving you of all this. But like, in that first movie, The Matrix, just the first one, the first one, there's a scene in there where the guy's name that's pulled out of the Matrix, is his name's Neo, right? New, means new. And, and he's Neo, and, he's, and he's, he's learning how to fight so that when he goes back into the Matrix, he can come against the, the agents. And you, you can look at all that. But like, as he's learning the, the, the kung fu and karate and all that in this scene... The, 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 the father figure in the Matrix, his name's Morpheus, and he's, he's, he's fathering Neo. 
He's teaching Neo how to fight so when he goes back in, he can set people free. And, and Neo says to Morpheus, what are you doing to me? He goes, I'm trying to free your mind. He goes, because Neo didn't believe that he could do things that he could do. Because his mind limited him. If you live by reason alone, you're limited. If you introduce faith into reason, you're going to fly. You're going to live this out and you're going to start saving souls and you're going to start finding a new level of life in your spiritual life you know that, that's going to lift you up like John Paul II says faith and reason are like the two wings through which we soar through the spiritual life if you fly with just reason it's like <laughs> eventually you get tired and you're like always going like this you know but if you fly with faith and reason you're balanced you were made for faith and reason not just reason reason after a while, it's limited. Faith takes reason to a whole other level. Like what I'm telling you, if you didn't have the gift of faith, you would be like, this guy's crazy. But with the gift of faith, you could say, this makes sense. I understand what my baptism means. To live Christ crucified, to save souls by offering the little ins and outs of every day that I go through that no one else knows about but me and God. And joining it to Him and letting Him flow through me. And, and when you, the best way to do this, guys, is just start praying like that. Okay, Lord, Father said at the retreat, um, I'm angry right now because I'll just use my driving thing. <laughs> they can't drive. Like, Lord, I'm angry. I'm ready to like blow by this guy and just like, you know. But I'm not going to do that. Like, Lord, I offer this anger to you. And I pray for all those who are not on their way. Those who are reckless drivers. I pray, Lord, for all those who can't embrace your, your plan. Whatever, you know, just pray it. Let the Spirit lead you. And choose it. I choose the cross. This has been a powerful thing in my prayer life recently. I'll look at the Eucharist and I'll say, Jesus, I choose the cross. I choose to be tired every morning when I get up. I choose it for you. I'm getting up because I love my family and I love my kids and I love my wife. I'm getting up because I love you and I don't want that soul to go to hell. So I'm offering this tiredness up for you. I choose it. I choose my struggle with this addiction because I love you, Lord. I choose to feel that struggle. I choose to enter into it. I choose to fight against saying something that I shouldn't say to my coworkers. I choose to not speak this joke out that's not good. I choose to not say it. I choose to be laughed at. And I choose to speak into the situation or change the subject, even though it might cause tension in the workplace. I'm choosing it. And in, in, in this, guys, is, this is the mandate of the gospel. Jesus says, go out and baptize and proclaim the good news to all the nations. That's what he's telling you right now as we prepare to head out. Take what you've learned. You've been equipped to hopefully live a new level and dimension of your baptism out. You've been empowered at confirmation to do this. You experience, if you will, all of this at the Mass. When you mess up and you screw up your mission, God's not abandoning you. He's with you. He says, okay, let's go into the confessional. Let's heal up. Let's strengthen up. Let's recoup here. Get our hearts and minds back in order. And let's go back into the battlefield. And that's what we do. Because the ultimate treasure that we're fighting for as men of God is souls. And there's, there's a God... If, man, if you want to experience God's power, start fighting for souls. And you'll, like when I pray at the abortion mill every Wednesday, from 11 to 12, I'm down there with a group of people. Guys, I've gone there like feeling like I do not want to be here. I feel like death. I feel like, just, I could feel it. I could feel it. I don't know if it's the warfare, I don't know what it is, but I feel like crap. And after 20 minutes of being there, I start to like, my spirit's like, I could feel God literally. It's like God's just like touching me and charging me. Like I feel my spirit growing. And by the time I leave, I'm like, man, I don't believe I didn't want to be here. Because the authority of God started to come through my spirit and by the time I left, I could feel the Lord saying, it's me fighting for these babies through you. I'm delivering this place from, from demons through you and the people that are praying with you. And I start to feel the Lord's authority 
as he cast the demons out through me and the people that are praying with me. Right? The same thing with you and I. The temptation is, if I, if I would have stayed home, I would have missed that experience of God that came, only faith took me there. If I would have lied on reason alone, I would have not gotten my car anymore. I would have said, ah, they can pray alone today. I'm not going. But I chose to go because of my faith told me to go. And I went because I didn't follow my feelings. I followed my heart and my spirit. And the Lord blessed it. And now I have a whole other level of experience of God that I didn't have before I went. But if I wouldn't have showed up, I would have never had that. And then I would have just affirmed, see, you know, then I go back to the tiredness. And then I don't go again. I go back to the tiredness. I don't go again. We've got to let our faith pull us into the uncomfortable. Let your faith take you to Calvary. Let your faith let you die. Because when you die and you experience the glory of the resurrection, you start to like get a high off of it. It's like a drug. It's like the only healthy addiction is Jesus. You get high off living for God. And it's not an emotional high. It's a spiritual sense of, okay, when I'm feeling down and nasty, I know that this is an opportunity to step into a deeper intimacy with God for saving souls. Or I can stop at that feeling and be like, I need to go to bed. Or I need to go and just watch TV for a while. We all do it. I do it still. We give in to those moments. But we're right on the precipice of immediately this huge, open, vast new um, experience of God that we, God's like, darn it, another step they would have been there. You know, it'd be like if you've never been on the other side of that door and that's heaven and you just keep going up to the door and like looking at it and God's like, all right, come push the door open. You could do it. Come on. We got to do that. We got to walk through. And that's what taking up the cross is. Taking up your cross is crossing over from the temporal to the eternal dimension. It's living the full reality. I mean, I can go on and on, but I know we got to kind of. Yeah. Yeah, your intellect informs your decision making. Consequently, you are still choosing good. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, we never no one ever chooses evil for evil. Like the person that kills themselves. They don't choose it like, oh I'm doing an evil, I can't wait to do this. They they choose suicide because that's the good they see. Which which with that being said, says how darken the mind can get. Like, let's say, I'm going to borrow you. <laughs> let's say this is, this is heaven, and I'm in the back. And in front of this is Cheetos, chips, pizza, beer. And I, how deep does my intellect see? With reason alone, I'm going to see the pizza on the back thing. I'm not going to see heaven. So I'm not going to choose heaven. But if my intellect is enlightened by faith, I'm going to see through the Doritos, cheese, beer, and I'm going to see all the way up to here and you're like, I'm going to pass that stuff up as good as it might be because this is a greater good. See, the intellect's enlightened by faith, so the will can only choose what the intellect can see. So without faith, that's why it makes sense in our world that people are obsessed with food, drink, sex, and all that stuff because that's what they see as the goods. They're not bad in and of themselves. Sex is not bad. Neither is beer, neither is food. It's great stuff. But if that's all you can see, if that's your closest and greatest good that you can only see, that's what you're going to choose. But you could see how you need the light of faith to see the greatest good, which is God, which is heaven. And so he's right. That's why when you evangelize people... We don't smash down on food, drink, and sex and say, that's bad. And I'm not trying to say watching TV is even bad. There's a lot of good things you can watch on TV. Oh, very few, right? But there are things on TV that aren't bad. TV's not bad. It's a tool. Neither is the internet or the computer. Or, or, there's a lot of good things. We aren't... We aren't uh, n- 
Gnosticism is basically saying we have to escape the material world, right? We got to avoid the material world. The body's bad. The material world's bad. If that's the view of Christianity we give to people, people are going to be really turned off. The body's meant to be a vehicle for heaven. The, the TV, everything's meant to be vehicles to, to get the truth of how do we live as happy human beings? How do we live a happy life? So we as Christians got to use our intellects to say, how can I use football to lead people to God? Being competitive is great. It's not a bad thing to be competitive. It's not a bad thing to want to watch football. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's when I attach myself to those temporal things to the detriment of my eternal destiny that things get warped. Yeah, we worship false gods. That's what a false god is. And if we had time, I'd even go into Genesis and show you that how that all happened. And It says in Genesis, their eyes were opened after they took from the tree. And then they hid themselves. Think about that. That's right. Yeah, he can't create anything. So he wants to plagiarize. He wants to take what God made and put his name on it. That's what the devil does. Sex. He takes sex, puts his name on it. And we as Christians could say, we don't got to defend sex. It's ours. God made it. So we, we take it and say, this is what it really means, guys. You know, this is what it means. We, we help reinterpret what's been given to us by God with our faith gives us the ability to take the material world and make sense of it to unlock the mysteries of creation for the glory of God not to that's bad you guys that's not you you know that's why people left the church guys because we've fallen into this heresy that says you know can't think about that thing can't think about that can't think about it it's not good like that's not attractive at all yeah, I'm going to think about that, but I'm also going to ask God what that means. See, we bring in, we bring a fuller picture to, to our world. We bring the supernatural dimension in. But you're right. The devil can't create anything. And he hates God and he hates us. So what does he do? He, he tries to get us to see that pizza and not the greater good. Because... The fact of the matter is, is if you don't know the greater good, you'll, you'll misuse every lesser good. If you don't know the greater good, which is God, you will never use properly every other good that's lesser. Pizza. If you can't say no to pizza, you can't eat pizza properly. What does that mean? If you can't say no to sex, you can't have sex properly, respectfully. Because you're addicted to it. If you can't say no to a good, you can't properly use that good. If you can't say no to alcohol, you can't use alcohol properly. If you can't say no to something, you're a slave to it. If you can't say no to pizza, beer, whatever, you can't say yes to it, really. And that's why the church, this is at the heart of the church's teaching on contraception. If you can't say no to sex and you encourage a sexual lifestyle that's reckless, if you can't say no to sex, you're never going to properly express your sexual intimacy with your wife. You're going to fall into using her and she using you. You, 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 you degrade the beauty of it. So saying no is built right into the woman's body through her temporal fertility. We have to learn to say no so that we can go higher we can experience what sex is really meant to be, which is an ex heaven on earth. It's meant to be a prayer. It's meant to be an intimate encounter between God and humanity. It's meant to be Christ and His church becoming one. It's beautiful. But if we cheapen it to being something we do without seeing the beauty of it, again, we don't see the, the, the greater good. We cling to what we see. You know, if, if the greatest good in my life is Mountain Dew, then I'm going to chase Mountain Dew my whole life. <laughs> but I'm not going to, it's not going to benefit me. 
But you could see why people choose lesser goods, because they don't know the greater good. So our role as Christians in the year of faith is to stretch people's reason beyond the temporal order, to help them to see, like, why do we have these things? What are they for? Leading people deeper. You know, and these are things you guys can take and just ponder, and, you know, you've got to make these in your own lives personable. I'm giving a real generalization, but it, it gives you a good framework, hopefully, to think through that you didn't have when you came, of how to approach different things and issues in your life. Right? Yeah. Me? I rented a cheap car before I came. No, I Subaru Forester. I like it. It's a little, you know what? The, I had a Sonata, but my Forester's not as good on gas. It's all-wheel drive. I got it because of it's all-wheel drive, and I needed something to throw stuff into, and that's good. And but uh, yeah. Huh? This is getting scary. Gray. Ah uh, yeah. Oh, I understand. Okay. If you see me blow by you. Yeah yeah. No. Yeah, for <laughs> See, there's that priest. You know, I, I was teaching... Uh, I studied... Um, my degree was architectural engineering. And I, when I, and I studied at Penn State. And when I was at Penn State, uh, I was studying... Uh, or actually, here in Omaha, I was teaching a class at the... Uh, what's the engineering school on by 72nd there? Peter Q. Peter Q. I was teaching, like, in ethics there. And... Um, I was talking to the to students about, you know, ethics in building, not taking shortcuts, et cetera. And I was talking about rules and laws and the reason we have stoplights and speed limits. And on the way home, I got a speeding ticket. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man, this is bad. I used the example and I broke my own rule. But anyhow, you know, guys, these are, these, these are principles for us to live by. And we, we strive to live. You're going to fall short here and there. It's not, again, the temptation is for you to say, okay, I've got to remember all this. I've got to stress. I've got to, I've got to live it. I've got to apply it. See, that's going back into this lie. God will help you to remember this. You're made for this. You don't have to remember this stuff. This stuff is actually how you're built. Your mind's built to live this way. You default to how you're made, and you'll naturally just live this way. You don't have to, like, put all this energy. He said this, said this. I've got to do step one, two, three... It'd drive you nuts, right? Just relax. Be at peace. You've learned a lot. God's given you a lot. There's stuff. He's going to be opening you up to this new level of spiritual intimacy with Him and your participation as men in saving souls. And um, remember, the truth isn't... The truth made you. You're made to live the truth. And this this is what's kind of funny about society. They see the truth as... You have to live contrary to how you're made. We say that the truth is actually stepping into who you are. It's actually maximizing your potential as a human being. Like a car. If I only drive a car at five mile an hour, and I never use the radio, and I only keep the thing in first gear, I'm not maximizing the potential of that car. Because let's say that I was only taught that I keep it in first gear, I never use the radio. That's what I was taught. Well, a lot of us were never just taught about all the features in the vehicle. You were created and you have all these features and all these abilities to participate in saving souls and Satan doesn't want you to know that. He wants you to stay in that darkness. And this time was hopefully a time where you could start to see like, wow, this car has a lot more features than I thought it did. You have a lot more capacity than you know you do. And that's what faith does. Faith maximizes our human potential, which is to participate in saving souls. Alright? So, um, just want to thank you guys. Thanks for everything. Thanks for your presence here. It means a lot that you come and I know it's a lot in a short period, but my final word would be take time every day to pray and don't let the devil get to you with, I don't have an hour to give. You can give five minutes and, and get your calculator out and figure out what percentage of five minutes is of a day. 
And you'll be like, man, this is bad. I can't give 3.8%, whatever. But anyhow, you know, check that out and, and, and go to war for souls. Be men of God and you're going to fall on your face and you're going to get back up. You're going to fall on your face and get back up. That's not the point. The point is, is you keep going. Be faithful. So bless you.